0: everybody, welcome back to another Digital Artcast episode, um, thanks once again for joining me. Um, the last couple of months have been great, some awesome stuff has been happening, um, and just in general, trying to make sure that I've got some of the, the best guests I can get on the podcast. to talk about industry, um, art, 3D, 2D, all that kind of stuff encompassed in the, in the one podcast. Um, so this time I managed to get um, someone on board who um, I've actually kind of saw from afar, a while but recently through a kind of mutual friend or a facebook post uh we managed to kind of uh, talk to each other and organize this podcast uh to get more and talk about his career so uh as a gentleman please uh welcome along mr max davenport
1: hello thanks for having me hey
0: no worries man no worries at all um i need to get that kind of that that uh that flow back into uh introducing guests it's been a while cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've been away the last couple were pre-recorded so it's been a, a month or two since i've i've had people on but yeah it's, good. it's, good. it's a good intro yeah man uh yeah so uh recently i think it was uh it was either grace lou or someone else had posted mm-hmm. your work um and I, I knew of your work beforehand but you know i'd never really um thought about it for a while and then you know when the Borderlands stuff had came out—that was all kind of hitting the screens—and right. we managed to kind of talk, and, and, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you come on the podcast, it would be great." Um, but I've watched John for a while actually. You were one of probably the first people I noticed, um, even way back before High uh, Res, the mm-hmm. stuff you were doing. Um, but then, yeah, now you are you've you've been at Gearbox now. You've just shipped Borderlands Three, which has been great, successful, amazing. Congratulations, mm-hmm. to you and the whole yeah. team. Um, so yeah, you've had an extensive kind of career even before that you know you've done a lot of big projects even before you know Borderlands. you were working on smite at higher ed so um can I take us back to the start um because i i don't know this story either it'd be lovely to hear <laughs> but so did you go to school for art did you did mm-hmm. you do the whole high school college university kind of thing or yeah
1: no i mean i've i've been drawing since i can remember uh yeah i remember actually i got in trouble um when i was in first grade uh, elementary school uh our teacher uh she busted out crayons and construction papers she's like all right kids i want you to draw a train uh and i, I remember growing up i had this painting in my room uh, of this like like big steam engine train at the train station and people were getting on and off it and it was just there's just kind of yeah something that i had uh, but i remember yeah. like, studying it even like at a young age uh, and then so she comes around all the kids are drawing it's like circles for wheels and like blue on top for the sky just like how you would kind of imagine like a kid's drawing to be and she gets to my desk and she calls my parents and she's just like you need to get in right now uh and and they're like what's wrong she's like there's something wrong with your son uh and um i so so we're all in this office and they show they show my parents the drawing and it's like crude perspective like the train is like going like fading into the distance down the track and like it's like coming straight at you and she thought it was like this like suicidal like weird like and it was she's like no no no. i just i've just been looking at a painting of a, of a train for a while like oh god <laughs> yeah so uh no yeah uh I, yeah i've been been doodling and drawing and stuff and I, I didn't really get serious about it until um i think yeah i was in high school uh and Damn. um so but yeah, I went to went to college. I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, uh, which I don't think okay. exists anymore. Um,
0: right,
1: I'm pretty sure it went it went bankrupt. <laughs> um, but uh, I initially went um, for industrial design. I wanted to. Right. I was I was big into cars and. Uh, transportation and all that kind of stuff uh really
0: kind of scott robertson route yeah
1: yeah i mean that was kind of the only route that i knew i'd I'd loved games for like in movies just entertainment for a long time uh and i never i I guess i just never imagined that that was a career path that i could like go down so it's a very
0: common tale from a lot of artists i know who are always like yeah we never knew as kids this could be a job and yeah because i mean the games industry in general is is still i would say even though at this point we're at I think it's still in its infancy you know because yeah. if you compare to the film industry which has been going since the early 1900s right. you know games has only been a thing since maybe the properly since the 80s so you know we're only talking maybe 30 years
1: yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty wild um just kind of seeing even the quality of like games art education that's that's progressed over the
0: last oh, yeah maybe
1: even like 15 years um yeah with just like the trend of like either like Campus-based, like actual colleges, or now you have like the workshop. Uh, yeah. Campus, like studios, like Nomon and.
0: Uh, Brainstorm, focal point, K-Brush, all keep these, rush, this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All,
1: all of these, all of these wonderful, and it's like people who kind of grew up either they went to these schools and they didn't get the proper education, and now have like gone back. Like, okay, this is how you actually yeah. do it, and it's just it's been a cool like uh, learning renaissance as far as like this industry is concerned. Uh, there's yeah. so many more resources and tools now
0: so you went industrial route so you were you were planning to make cars and yeah yeah
1: yeah um yeah so I went (laughs) I did two quarters I was in that track for about six months and I wasn't really enjoying it it was a lot of rudimentary I mean like the base the base projects were essential it was a lot of just repetition a lot of just
0: core um just technique fundamental stuff yeah Yeah.
1: it was it was not not the things I wanted to be doing um but I needed it at that point I was yeah, eighteen year old. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, but no, I had, I had roommates who were in there making monsters, and I was like, "Oh, what? What's this about? What, what are you guys doing?" Like, oh, we're in the we're in the games track, and I was like, uh And so I told my parents. I'm like, uh, "Mom, Dad, uh, I'm switching my major." And They're like, "What?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm going to make video games." And they're like, you're never going to you're never going to go anywhere with that. I was like, "All right, well, oh, we'll, God, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens." And yeah, so yeah, it turned, out, yeah it turned out pretty good for me. Um, I got lucky. Yeah. So, um, but no, yeah, after, after school, I actually got, um, I, I interned um, at a medical company back home for six months, uh, stayed with my parents, um, and I ended up getting a job. Uh, one of my teachers uh, worked at a local studio, Shell Games, um, which is a wonderful studio in Pittsburgh. Um, uh, so I worked there for about a year. Uh, doing concept which yeah coming like out of college like being able to do the exact thing i wanted to do i feel pretty lucky about that the fact that i was a like i had the opportunity to do it and that i didn't immediately get uh fired for an attitude
0: <laughs> yeah no, i mean like well, people always talk about this thing where they're like oh, i felt lucky but then i think for a lot of people I remember somebody i never know who said the quote but somebody said that luck for them was preparedness meets opportunity so yeah you probably were valuable asset at that time, but then obviously you met the right people at the time who wanted you part of that team. So, right. um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I often tell this to a lot of uh, students, um, a lot of people mm-hmm. who are kind of coming through the first time, it's like, oh, like, how, do you, how do you get these opportunities? And part of it is like, well, half of, like, there's a lot of luck involved, On obviously. Mm-hmm. There has to be the right time, there has to be openings, there has to be connection there, but it's like, yeah, you have to be good at what you do and you have to be a nice person. You, you have to be able to work well with others mm. and if you yeah uh i've i've run into a lot of stubborn young artists who have more talent than sense um no. and they end mm. up uh being really good but then they can't get along with anyone and they end up not being able to kind of push forward so it's
0: a real yeah thing. Like, don't be
1: don't be uh don't be rude
0: <laughs> don't be a dick guys yeah. life lesson <laughs> 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 no it's, it's a very common trait and i think i've seen through you know the the few years i've been here i've already seen people who have came with a bad attitude and because the industry is so small they're quickly rooted out and um yeah they don't try to you know get much more opportunities i mean i know people in studio specifically who are really super talented but um they're just not a team player so but then sometimes that's just a thing where there's a cross and a divide where some people Mm -hmm. will probably better suited to freelance as 95 in a studio um so yeah you've got to kind of decide earlier i think what you feel as the that but then even with freelance you still need to work with an ad you still need to work with a team in a sense so there is a sense of you need to be able to get on in, in some respect so yeah
1: yeah it's interesting kind of rooting out um the different kinds of like work culture that people prefer um yeah because i i'd say like i do i do concept art but at my core like i still i consider myself a game developer first like it's right. not—it's not that I just want to focus purely on the art. Like I always have questions about design. I always have questions about narrative. I always, which is want, good. Which yeah. is I
0: think is an essential part of working in games, regardless of your skill. If you're three D, two D coding, I think you have to have that passion for right. designing and building games.
1: Yeah, I—I uh, I will say like, I, I won't talk about the quality of my education, but I was able to kind of touch a lot of different things. We didn't have a concept art track. At my school, so a lot of that was just kind of scouring the internet. Um, I yeah. think one of one of my one of the first uh, really good tutorials that I just kind of poured over. Uh, Devin Katie Lee, huge inspiration of mine. I've always loved his work, um, but he had uh, this tutorial of um, this character from Dune. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just I just poured over over his process for that for a long time. So uh, mm-hmm. while I still was able to kind of get access, it's like oh, I learned how to rig. I learned how to do like some animation and 3D and sculpting and like all these things. It was like mm-hmm. that was really kind of the pattern. It was like, okay, I want to stick on this. And, uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm really happy for kids, or I, I should say, just students now who have yeah. all of these resources now. Um, that's just like. All I is like starter Don't worry. don't even ask questions. Just just really with it,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean there's just there's almost at this point like too much to choose from because there's mm-hmm. now like so many schools that offer, you know, tracks to help people. But then I think obviously I think the the key thing I've seen that students that I've talked to and I'm luckily going back to doing our talk this week, but um when I talk to them I usually say having a specialization or having an idea of where you want to focus is always good to start with because mm-hmm. I think when you try to build yourself as a general sometimes, unless you are highly skilled generalist where you can do a lot of things competently, then it becomes a harder path to look down because then you know you you're you're splitting your time amongst so many different tasks yeah. rather than just getting really good at one thing. Um, so yeah, that's and I've suffered from it definitely. I've definitely had struggles of like do I want to do concept, do I want to do 3d? would I prefer? Um, And now I'm trying to push, obviously, more 3D stuff. But um, it's it's hard in the start because there's there's now so many schools and so many opportunities to do different things. Trying to settle on one thing is one of the hardest things I think,
1: especially starting out. Like there, I don't think anyone who kind of comes out of a two to four year program like that, having only just started doing uh, game art, has enough skill. Um, to really push forward and to do all of those tracks. Like, there's, yeah, like, yeah I, I learned basic amounts of all of those, but I would, even though I learned how to do rigging, I would never consider myself a rigger or an animator or any of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like pushing, pushing yeah. a specialty there uh, out of the gate is really strong. I would say that if you are looking to kind of just work on your own and make your own projects, uh, if you have an aptitude for multiple, like, kind of paths like that, like, absolutely go for it. Like, never... Limit yourself to uh one thing, but if you are trying to really get in and cement yourself as a uh like in a core position, then yeah, you have to choose a specialty. Because yeah, in any any studio that I've worked in, everything is compartmentalized. Everybody has like their their job. You're not just
0: running their around, own job. Yeah, oh, yeah we
1: You're not running around like every other week. Like, oh, to the, I'm going to model this week. I'm not. I'm going to animate next week. <laughs> no, no, you're not, idiot. Like, get the hell back. You paid to
0: draw. Just draw. <laughs>
1: it'd
0: be, be a yeah. to like, kind of
1: just schedule like oh god like um, mm-hmm. do you, yeah, I know. Here just doing motion capture next week doing
0: effects so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's good also because I think especially with modern students I mean I talked about you know you really have to have a kind of multi-discipline thing where you are specialized but you still understand like how to unwrap a UV or how level designers will work with their program how Unreal works as a, as an engine or whatever engine you're using Um, because at points you will have to cross slightly onto other realms of of disciplines. So, you know, like you said, you don't consider yourself a rigger, but it's good to know that, you know, when you're maybe creating characters in 2D, you're trying to understand you're creating something that's going to be game-ready. So you have to obviously think three or four steps ahead about when this gets to the rigging department or this gets to the 3D department, how can I make this easy? Because, I mean, I know concept artists, you know, back in the day used to say, you know... They would hand stuff off to the 3d animators or 3d artists to build out the the character but then if they weren't getting the proper concepts in terms of like turnarounds or taking limbs off to show detail underneath then that kind of stuff you know hinders them more because then they have to come in back to the concept artists and say hey what was this texture what was this turnaround how should i model that you know the more clear you can make those concepts um but then that comes from knowing how the 3d character guys work right mm-hmm. yeah
1: i will i will say probably the strongest Uh, asset you can have as a game developer is learning how to communicate and not just not just learning how to talk to people but understanding the uh the language of uh other people's professions understanding not just not just verbal jargon but visual jargon figuring out how uh people think in regards to it's okay yeah learning those processes being familiar with any and all of those uh departments because yeah if you don't know what what an animator needs like they're going to struggle. So the more you can do on your part to familiarize yourself with that department's needs, the easier it's going to be for you to a do your job first time correctly, uh, and mm. for them to execute on their end properly. So yeah, if I'm handing off uh, concepts to a three D artist, uh, I definitely know that I have to spell some things out. Yeah, I need to do texture reference. I need to kind of uh, yeah have have renders that I've done um, effectively. Uh, I need to have yeah turnarounds all these
0: things um call out sheets all that kind of stuff
1: right even yeah and i will i will do like i'll do paint overs for certain things if there needs to be follow-up i'll like yeah learn how to export animated uh GIFs, gifs, whatever.
0: However, yeah, of course. Uh,
1: <laughs> then, yeah, I'll do. I'll do uh, some like two D, like rudimentary two D animations for animators, like figuring out starting poses, or if a character is like doing a summoner effect, like I'll pass that off to effects, like kind of just like try and do. I mean, really, yeah. It yeah. kind of it's the starting point for um, for a lot of other other processes. So it's it's really yeah cool being able to kind of do. yeah.
0: I mean, like, I, I kind of discovered that when recently I was in L.A., I got a chance to go and visit Blizzard, and the, the museum that is near the public office was uh, set up for Hearthstone that month. And um, it was interesting because uh, when Jeremy was talking through, like, the some of the early effects that they put in the game, those were just pencil renders before, you know, that went anywhere near, mm-hmm. you know, Houdini or whatever they were using for the VFX. But a lot of that stuff will start. Like, even gun explosions, shell ejections from guns that stuff's all pre vised in 2d before it goes anywhere near 3d and i found i never knew that you know at that point i was like oh i never knew you built all those you know the flame effects and everything that was all done by hand before like even the the thing in hearthstone when the 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 portrait you know cracks up and then explodes like that whole process was just storyboarded in 2d Mm -hmm. um before they took that and they make it into an actual Visual effect, um, which was interesting because you guys will be the same. and imagine with a lot of your gun animations or, you know, the, the acid effects, explosions, that stuff's all previs as well. You guys do that the same thing or?
1: Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of times, even if we don't have time to kind of go in uh, and manually make like temp effects, uh, yeah. I, f- I feel like, yeah, if we need something quick, we can always kind of cannibalize and reuse old things. Um, right. The biggest thing for a lot of, especially animation, is just like timing and kind of presence uh, for a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if we, if it, it makes sense to have the cheapest, quickest method to kind of get uh, the intended effect, or um, yeah, if, like, if, if they have quick 2D drawings for those Hearthstone effects, it's like, yeah, like you don't want to go ahead and texture an entire asset. Like we always, yeah, yeah, anytime we do, uh, we have new characters in games, like, yeah, we have. Concepts go out, and then proxy meshes will be put in, just basic gray, uh, mm. loosely rigged, just enough to kind of get uh, enough of the silhouette and enough of uh, yeah, so. seeing if there's any animation concerns regarding, God, I don't know, cloth or just collision or yeah. any, any of that stuff. So it's like, yeah, there's always there's always processes to kind of uh, yeah make sure that we're not overextending ourselves, just time wise, budget yeah. wise, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely makes sense
0: yeah the previous things yeah and again i think just in general with with production time is always money so yeah if if, uh if you waste a lot of that just you know spending maybe like a month on a particle effect for a gun or something it's like people will also come back and like what the fuck have you been doing for a month (laughs) like you know like this game ships in like six weeks what's happening so um but yeah like i mean have you found you know since you went from kind of studio to studio there's definitely like a language or a, a rhythm that you found in each department or, or have you found that each company has like a different mindset when it comes to previs or concept?
1: It really depends on, uh, I feel like it kind of depends on the project sometimes. Um, cause I've, right. w- I've worked on, I've worked on mobile projects. I've worked on educational projects. I've worked on, uh, live service stuff. And then I've worked on some AAA like here's three year dev cycle.
0: Like, right. If
1: that one is done. Um, Yeah. So having kind of an insight and seeing what the priority is on like a deliverable date and also just uh, yeah just just the timing cycle for some of these yeah. some of these things it's it's been interesting to kind of go in and see what's really important uh, like at the end of the day ninety percent of the process is the same like there's only right. <laughs> there's only so many ways you can put characters and props into an engine like that's not like of course not like, oh yeah. yeah we started out with like everyone has like a blackboard and we just yeah it's not there's no yeah yeah more like magic uh, to that but um mm. just just kind of seeing yeah when when i was working on smite um seeing uh the character pipeline just how accelerated that was and how many how many uh animators and character artists there were at that studio because i mean that's that's the moneymaker right like you make skins right you make new characters like that's how that's the important thing so that pipeline all the character centric stuff was kind of like priority priority one yeah um, and, and you would definitely see that and a lot of times it was under a lot of stress like you'd have like, yeah. like too much people would be crunching and it's just like oh man I really like I really kind of feel for these guys uh, and then like you go to a triple A space where it's like all right like instead of like four weeks to do this you have like 10 weeks to, to do certain things um, right like because the it's it's budgeted, it's planned well, um, and not to say that the other things aren't budgeted or planned well, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're kind of caught up. So it's like, yeah, you have like production concerns, you have, uh, yeah, on on narrative based games or games that are like more or less reliant on kind of PvP multiplayer that kind of thing. Like, there's definitely yeah. different um, production concerns from the ground up. Like, there's so many right. uh, additional things. It's not just player driven interaction. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, high-res does seem to be um, on top of their game when it comes to the stuff they're putting out. I mean, apart from, obviously... um you know when they put out smite you know back in the day i was a big fan of that also but then paladins came along um and it's really interesting because like uh recently when i was doing one of Raphael's classes we actually had ben knapp oh, and yeah. the one of the one of the classes doing one of the the things with raf and um i was like because he asked the question i was like are you the ben nap from high red studio or that he's like yeah i was like oh shit!" so um so you know, mean me and ben i've kind of got tight over the last couple of months talking but oh, um but yeah now obviously with paladins coming out and, and the other projects but i feel bad because I think Paladins almost fell by the wayside over Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also looks like such a well-thought-out art-directed piece um, and game in general. I'm kind of almost thinking I really probably should give it a chance because it does look like such a complete package. Because um, you were on uh, um, Smite when you worked there, right? You didn't do anything for Paladins? I actually... So,
1: first off, I want to give a big shout-out to Ben Mark. Uh When I started, <laughs> started the high-res heroes... Kind of like the one guy I sat next to. He was kind of my mentor there. Still a very good oh. friend. I saw him recently. Uh, yeah, Ben. Ben is one of the nicest uh, people that I've ever met. Um,
0: oh, yeah. Send, yeah.
1: Super, super talented artist so Yeah. Shout out to you, dude. Um,
0: we need, but, You need to speak to Max. In fact, that I might even uh, message him after this podcast and try and get him on next. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. he definitely needs to come on. Yeah.
1: Know, he's he's super knowledgeable. Just really, yeah. He just he just loves making games, man. Um, yeah, man. But so. Uh, yeah, I, I worked on Smite for a little bit, and I was actually uh, on the previous team for Paladins. Um, okay. Uh, so that was that was a very interesting experience uh, for me. There was a lot of oh boy, that was a, I don't I don't know how much I can say as far as like my time on that project. There there it was stressful uh, at times. Okay. Um, kind of developing a new IP. Uh, right. Having having a lot of new information come in because you, you have yeah it's like you have a studio that finds a success in one project and what works for one doesn't work for the other. Um, of course, so, yeah, because
0: Smite is a, is kind of similar where it's PvP, but then it's it's a first person shooter. It's not third person. You're not dealing with powers as much in the same way because you're in arenas. It's, yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: And I I mean I will say like uh, High Res definitely has uh, their FPS chops in like their uh, they ship Tribes Ascend. Uh, in oh yeah. A record time, by the way. That like I can't believe the dev cycle they had for that. And that game is still so much yeah. fun. Um, I know they re-released a uh, an update which fixed a lot of the problems they have with that. So uh, yeah, Trials right. is a wonderful game. Uh, uh, so yeah, they I think they took a lot of um, some of that knowledge uh, and kind of brought it in. But yeah, like having to move into that like kind of fusing that um, competitive uh, player hierarchical skill uh, based combat. Yep. Um, that I would say is a game that developed over time, uh, yep. just the way that Smite did. Uh, there was a lot of yeah. lessons to be learned on that kind of stuff, um, and I didn't. I didn't stay on that project. Um, I ended up leaving the community Gearbox, obviously, um, but I'm happy that they were able to kind of find uh, a home for that project because it, yeah, it's hard. It's like, I know <laughs> it, it's funny. Like I, I was on the beginning team for Paladins, and I was like, hey, you want to come over here? And so I ended up working on Battleborn, which was another yeah. character-based shooter um yeah so and it was also like very highly uh judged to be an overwatch competitor
0: um of course yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. uh it, it was it was interesting kind of in that space with all of these separate games coming out i mean like yeah you have you have your trends like yeah like the, like the moba scene came out and then yeah, the character base like the fps and then yeah know, now you have all these things so there's a lot of like group lessons and like the trends that are coming out um but of course uh, yeah, i i would say that yeah. paladins i'm super happy that it's found a voice and it's found a community um yeah yeah you don't want to get you don't want to get lost in uh the, yeah a weird wave of comparability it's like oh well this one did of course <laughs>
0: um so anyway so yeah going past all that and, and the stuff you've done at, at high res what was it that brought you to gearbox um in general was it the project itself or did you know a lot of people over there and you were interested in see how they were dealing with it or you know and at what point did you come into gearbox was it right at the start or
1: um so it was kind of a mix of a couple things um i was fortunate enough um so my buddy jimmy barnett um who was the weapons art lead uh for borderlands 3 Mm -hmm. um they that team was absolutely insane in what they tried to accomplish over three three and a half years um I can't believe they did it. <laughs> um, but he uh, went to school with a couple of my coworkers over um, at HiRes, my buddy KP, my friend Kate Pitstick, um, mm. who are wonderful designers. Uh, and so the three of us actually all ended up um, coming over to Gearbox. Uh, in, in in about a year or so's time, like like we all kind of just like oh we're just gonna transition. So right, uh, they had they had spent more time at High Res, but kind of looking for a change, and I mm-hmm. was also looking to kind of just expand. I wasn't gonna uh, stay in Georgia um, for that long, and yeah, and like High High Res was great. Um, made some amazing lifelong friends there. Like mm-hmm. just, yeah, really really quality people. Um, but yeah, I was kind of looking to move into something different. Um, so it was a combination of uh having an opportunity and also having yeah some some friends who are also uh here i would i would say yeah having friends here is one of the things that makes it so great to work right uh, at the studio it's one of my favorite parts actually a couple of us all live in like the same neighborhood right <laughs> we, yeah. have, we, got, we got houses all like within like a couple miles of each other so we can just kind of hop on our bikes or our, scooters and like hey let's all make dinner like it's it's really (laughs) wonderful having a little like a localized community that you can interact with outside of
0: the office Is uh is Gearbox in the West Coast or where are you guys uh located?
1: We, we're located in Dallas, Texas, so we are smack dab in the middle
0: of the U.S. Oh, okay, you right at the bottom. Yeah, one of my friends just uh recently moved there. Actually, he was in Philly. Um, he was a concept okay. dude, um, and Nick, and he was actually the one of the guys who gave me my first job in the industry. I was doing um some previs and animation for his game Mask Assemblance, yes. and um he's moved down now um, with his partner. I don't think they're in Dallas. I think they're just outside of we maybe even austin? austin i think they're close to austin um but yeah they're just in there just now so um but yeah no it's, i've been told this i mean because Ed's there as well right Ed software there um mm-hmm. kind of stone throw from where you guys are as well Great. um so yeah there's there's a lot of kind of good peeps down there um but yeah gearboxes i mean back in the day i think my or less known uh, information about that studio was um when they worked on the half life mods that's how they kind of got mm-hmm. started back in the day um, and then of oh, yeah. course natural progression they made their own FPS. So um, and then of course obviously famously they worked on Doom to come forever. So um, l- 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 lest we not forget the the classic that was that game. So um, <laughs> but yeah. So so you've done this whole cycle now. Borderlands is out. Um, w- looking back now, what do you think were some of the, the kind of highlights of that project for you as a, maybe specifically as a concept artist? Was there things you got to do or try? That were a lot different from the previous projects you had been on.
1: I mean, so definitely this was the biggest project, like as far as like team size, budget,
0: hype. I would right. say
1: even like there was a lot of anticipation uh, yeah. that I would say came came from it. So of course, it yeah. was cool, uh, and it, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like a nervous expectation. It was more just like we're all just like super psyched.
0: Yeah, uh, of course. To work on
1: something that people uh, are just just wanting. Um, so and yeah, I'd say a lot of us are. Are huge uh, fps and a lot of us like who are newer were previous Borderlands fans so we had it's interesting seeing the expectation that uh people who kind of come in like oh this is kind of what i think the game is right and like right. actually it's more like tuned to this there's a lot more serious notes and we kind of just like sprinkle some some comedic flavor on top so <clears throat> getting into the core of uh what makes that game different was a learning process for me just artistically
0: right because
1: um, i think i think people always will attribute the borderlands franchise as this kind of insane uh comedic
0: over the top uh, stuff yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, there's there's a lot of very serious like undertones um that kind of help ground it and make it so it's not such a circus
0: yeah because i think um, there has been especially since the launch of two there has been a lot of no, I wouldn't say copycats, but people who have took that crazy inspiration and tried to, f- you know, put it onto their other projects. I mean, I know mm-hmm. even when I've looked at the latest iteration of the Rage series, mm-hmm. um, I did see where they had probably taken hints of Borderlands, you know, especially the colourfulness into the FPS space. So, um, yeah. so yeah.
1: No, um, I mean, it's you, you kind of see it all over. Yeah, it's like there's... I, <laughs> I feel like there's no true original ideas anymore of course uh, it's all just kind of like permutations on, yeah. on different on different strategies but yeah. Uh, yeah no we definitely had a big challenge um with this project yeah to making sure that a it lived up to everyone's expectations it delivered something new um some of the some of the cool things working it was we we do have a lot of personal freedom as artists to kind of inject okay. uh ideas that we either want or things that we think are cool like mm. there's a lot of um I mean, I, I grew up loving uh, mecha and uh, just, like, construction equipment and, like, just a, a lot of weird, like, it's like, oh, I love how these, like, joints move. Uh, I love, like, uh, seeing big machines and things like that. So yeah uh, one, of, one of the coolest things I got to work on, uh, one of the player characters uh, for Borderlands 3 is Moze and she has her uh, big mech Iron Bear. Uh, so oh, yeah, able, of
0: course.
1: I was able to design uh, her mech for that. Uh, and that was a really interesting task for me because, yeah, I mean, you, you, I grew up loving uh, Gundam and Zoids and all of these all of these other, like, kind of fringe, um, like, pop culture, like, mecha. Things. Yeah. Like, even the, the, the loader from Aliens. Uh, just, like,
0: Gundam so- and stuff like that as well. I would imagine all the Asian-inspired mecha and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we had an interesting task. It was like, all right, we want you to uh, kind of design... Uh, this player-controlled mech, but it can only be ten feet tall, right. <laughs> and it has to be uh, this crazy unstoppable force. Or just like, ah, shit, how do we do that? Yeah. Um, so we looked a lot. Um, we looked at a lot of like machining Krieger kind of like model kit mm-hmm. uh, inspiration. A lot of like World War II like bomber, um, like Panther tanks, like a lot of like really kind of core uh, gritty machinery, like that sort of stuff. Um, right. So you'll see yeah, it's like we have like jet engines and big hydraulics and a lot of like kinda over over uh stacked panels and fuel tanks and just like lines and like yeah, crazy military like uh mesh netting and like all these yeah, just just these kind of fun, like it just feels like the inside of a like a cargo plane or something
0: like that. So, uh... Yeah, I remember watching the Twitch feed when Borderlands kind of just dropped, like the midnight mm-hmm. launches and stuff were happening, and I didn't have, you know, at the time I was kind of alone, fun, so I was watching everybody else have fun with it. But um, but yeah, I watched the 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 kind of the gunner thing happening, and uh the the minute when the mech's called down, it was almost like a like a Titanfall moment, you know, like climbing in the mech and the screens going up. Um yeah. But it was it was amazing to see, like, to have to integrate that kind of gameplay into an FPS as well, where you're already running and gunning with these crazy guns, but then all of a sudden there's a mecha on the boardwalk. Like it's just, it gets even more. It's like that ridiculous, you know, kind of thing you're talking about, where it is a serious FPS, but at the same time, you know, the craziness is like, right, great, you get to call a mech down now. Like this is, this is the, <laughs> the bonus. This is the add-on bonus. This is the great thing. So, um, so yeah, it's good. I mean, and then designing that thing, I mean, it's good that you know, like you said, you've got freedom because I think then if you get too restrictive, it will make the, you know the well, probably the gameplay suffer as well. But then, use an artist, and I want to be chained too tightly to the desk and saying that you know you can only influence this way or you can only you know i Mm -hmm. mean the initial concept phase is always it's such an idea generation you know machine that you almost need to just be let loose at that stage and not really be given a lot of direction because you already know the borderlands franchise you know the the style guide you know how that you know things need to look but then having that freedom to then think oh this would be really cool if it was more based on this or based on this and then bringing that into the world um it is a great thing to do as a concept artist, and then you can obviously, you know, put your stamp on it when people play it and say, You know, I made that. You can point towards it, so right. um, so yeah. So, apart from the mech, was there any other ones that you thought were, you know, um, your kind of babies or things that you really loved making? I saw in your portfolio recently there was a lot of the the kind of dragon concepts, or this is it Sauron kind of the creatures that you built yeah. out?
1: Yeah, um, we had these uh, dinosaur alien, I and mean, they're, they're, they're essentially just space dinosaurs. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and yeah, uh I don't think Saurian is a new uh name. Like there's there's roots and other like one of D and D and all that kind of stuff. It's like, all right, like that's a that's a familiar name again.
0: of course. Uh,
1: but uh, I feel like <clears throat> we like there's a lot of referential stuff in the Borderlands yeah. games. Um and looking at uh some of the some of the creature designs it was kind of able to like Also, put in some pop culture reference into that stuff. Um, So, yeah, those were originally uh, like more just like purely frog like. Um, Mm -hmm. They were these these other weird kind of um, like kind of dinosaur creatures. So, uh, I was able to kind of take those to completion after the initial stages. uh, And I wanted to work in these like agile prehistoric crocodiles with like long limbs, but also like you have these amphibious. Like touches with these kind of prehistoric dinosaur uh, and like bird-like structures, so it was it was a cool process for me, kind of mixing all of these kind of like reptilian and amphibic, amphibic, amphibic,
0: amphibic, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: all, all, all of these influences into these things. So it was it was really fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Then, well, sorry.
0: No, uh, no, but I was going to say, but then uh, it's great to just be handed in, you know, these projects where you get to make such key characters because sometimes you know, probably earlier on in your career. You would have been making, you know, like background people or just, you know, random NPCs. But then when you're getting handed, like, you know, I wouldn't say main characters, but things that are quite present or prominent at the front of the game, like mm-hmm. you said, the mecha. But then obviously, um, spoiler alert, if anyone's played Borderlands 3 or they want to know, don't listen beyond this for the next maybe 30 seconds. But <laughs> you got to design or help design uh, Tyreen, right? The, the the final boss in Borderlands 3, the, the kind of. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so uh, that that process to me, so I didn't get to design Tyrene uh, her base form. Like, that was uh, one of our external artists who's been working with this for a long time. Uh, Sergio Brossa. Cool. Uh, he uh, we actually just recently got to uh, fly him over uh, for the game's release. We've cool. been working remotely with him for about four years. Nice. He did an incredible job. He designed yeah, the main villains. He designed the entire uh, bandit uh, children of the vault uh, army. Yep. Uh, the dude, yeah, he's just prolific, super nice. Like when he was here, it was like he was just like part of the family. Like I felt like I'd known him, like
0: yeah, yeah forever. i known
1: him for like a decade. Um, yeah. But kind of building off of uh, one of his designs was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. One of our uh, other designers, uh, Matt Cox, uh, mm-hmm. a, he was the um, one of the principal boss designers uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for for BL three. Um, he really gave me a great starting point. Uh, for for that uh, for that project, he had kind of blocked out and done a lot of like pre research. Like, hey, this is it was actually one of the smoothest character design uh, processes that I had been able to go through. It's like, all right, like here's here's our like battle constraints. Here's what we're doing. Here's like how like tall. Like, here's the scale we wanted that. Here's the attacks we wanted to do. Uh, and then with the art direction, I had all of these like other references from like. Uh, like the like the thing and like just all yeah. these grow like weird yeah. So there is just.
0: Like, I was going two, to say, just... yeah, I was kind of getting thing vibes when I looked at you know the the, the concepts. It was definitely yeah. of that decaying just falling out everywhere. Um, yeah. you know, we really, really... Just to
1: make it kind, of, kind of gross and terrifying. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, too, yeah, we we kind of had to pull back reference because it is a fusion of um, uh, the boss from Borderlands one, which is the destroyer. Right. Wow. Uh, so ah, okay. Ty- Tyrene ends up like kind of uh, merging with that creature, so it's it, it's a mix of kind of like uh, her kind of amalgamation of what she's built up of the entire game plus like the themes right. that are present in that one. So honestly, for us, it was a great like okay, we didn't really think that that first uh, that first boss in the first game was really super fun. So it's like there were some there were some cool like notes there. Like let's bring it back.
0: Mm.
1: Let's let's give players a more rewarding experience. Yeah, Uh, for that. So it was, it was kind of a cool turnaround uh,
0: in that area. Yeah, because I mean, it's good that you can actually portray both styles of. I mean, I say both styles. I suppose as your concept artist, you want to try and be able to explore both. But you have a very good definition of being able to do very organic stuff but then also pulling it back and doing the more hard surface stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. when you look at, um, you know, like Flak or, like, the other people you've done where are more droid-based, you know, even with Flak, you're, you're also combining both worlds, right? The hard surface robot, and he's covered in coats and trenches and scarves. So, I mean, it's good that you can explore that range because I think, obviously it makes you a lot more versatile as a as an artist in a project because then you don't have to bring in extra people to do other things, you know, you're like, no, I can turn my hand to that, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um do you feel like that's a good thing, even if you're specializing in two D that you should be able to explore, you know, multiple styles? Because I mean your stuff is obviously very stylized, but then if you needed, you probably could call on a more realistic approach to your work, right? You mm-hmm. could then explore that as well. Um
1: Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely have always uh, like, e- e- even I, it might even be a little annoying to work with sometimes because I will like flip flop like during like a single task, like on like style stuff that I'm doing. Just it's like, oh, like today I want to like work more ink, today I want to work more painterly. Yeah. Um, and so I've always really enjoyed kind of exploring different styles like that. Like, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, I think it's made me a stronger artist. I feel like I can. Not not so much chameleon at that point, but it's easier for me to kind of study and then kind of implement um, any style or resource that comes up that I find interesting. Of course, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. As far as like working a solely hard surface or working solely uh, organic, yeah. organic, yeah, it's like at, at that point it's just design, like yeah. just, just knowing the principles of any of that sort of stuff. Uh, I will yeah. say with Flack, like Flack was a very cool character uh, to bring forward. Um, there were a lot of hands, like. It's it's very rare in any of these situations where one person kind of owns the entire thing. Like there's usually a chain of influences. People say, oh, I like like this decision, or uh, they really like these influences, and people kind of come together. Usually, it's like one person will take it to completion. But uh, Flack was very interesting. I know we have um, we have an art book coming out soon, uh, which is really awesome for the game. Uh, and there's a lot more exploration. It's like how we kind of came up with Flack's aesthetic. Um, uh, yeah, and initially it was uh, this kind of like druidic character, this kind of like space elf, um, and then yeah, we kind of settled on, on this uh, more kind of yeah r- robotic. It was it was almost uh, I think the initial sketches he had like kind of gold chains, very chappy yeah. um, uh, influence there. But uh, yeah, we had maybe five or six different artists kind of throwing down, uh, and then at, in the end, uh, I'd kind of taken some of those and then like added my own twist. And just kind mm-hmm. of putting stuff together, and I was like, "All right, like this actually feels cool now. Like we can move forward." Uh, and so they kind of let me uh, push that forward. So definitely a lot of uh, other influences to draw from, even internally, not just like as far as like external. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it was it was a cool character to bring forward, and I'm really glad that uh, everyone uh, everyone kind of jumped on, and yeah, they yeah. they got really popular, and like I know the fan art community is like very very large on them and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's, been, it's been really really uh, rewarding
0: yeah i mean that's gonna be interesting as well from an artist's perspective because you're sitting sketching this stuff out and then seeing somebody do um like a fan art of um like your stuff i mean it's good to be an interesting look at um like how that's interpreted as well because yeah a lot of people will spend so much time making these things solid and then seeing people copy that stuff and, and get influenced it's it's got to be a cool thing right just people you know it's like when uh i suppose when people get tattoos of like you know those guys come up to raf at the, the event with tattoos of like god of war stuff on them and you know patents of like things they had done god of war wise and he was like oh my god like but yeah the fan community has got to be crazy good in this kind of stuff because like you said you spend so many months designing stuff hoping that you know people enjoy it nobody's going to shout at you for changing stuff and then of course <laughs> because i remember when i spoke to some of the the guys that got a war team when i was at lightbox they were saying that one of the biggest fears they had sitting in the crowd the e3 was um because they had taken kratos's um blades of chaos away and replaced it with the axe um they were thinking people were going to be like oh no you know this is terrible but then of course the reaction people lost their minds um so i mean that's gonna be a thing as well right because borderlands 2 was like such a big hit Three coming along, you guys redesigning all the kind of main four heroes. Um, was that a fear when you were sketching this stuff out? Like are we staying true to the borderline stuff? Or did you feel like you had a really good handle on it from the start or?
1: Uh I think from the beginning we always were pretty confident that uh we, we weren't worried that people were gonna like miss what we brought in the previous games too much. I mean yeah. we still try to deliver on all of the versatility that people kind of expected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a chance for us to branch out and try some new things. Like that's right. that's like one of the coolest things as an artist. So it's like, all right, like this is gonna be wide, like large scale, but also, like you're gonna be able to do something completely new. Uh, right. And even in the context of a game like Borderlands, which has all these freaking characters, in my opinion, but probably too many characters, <laughs> <laughs> um, like being able to find spaces in there where you can still do something that hasn't been tapped. Um, right is is cool and yeah like as far as like fan expectation like borderlands fans are crazy uh like people will get tattoos like the cosplay community is insane i had uh, the chance to go to uh to gamescom in cologne germany uh to help work the floor there
0: right uh
1: and yeah it's like you like we're working the main booth like we're, we're out there 10 12 hours a day uh making sure people are like having fun fixing technical problems but also like just seeing people come through like we had all these crazy cosplayers and like just in and, and as much broken german or uh their broken english as possible it was just like everyone was just so excited and it was just really cool kind of being there i remember personally i had uh i'd gone to pax east uh in boston uh in 2011 to mm-hmm. with with a bunch of friends and as a fan of the Borderlands franchise, kind of standing in line to play Borderlands 2 at the time, uh, so it, it was cool, kind of coming full circle from that. Uh, like I was able to, it's like, it's like I got a shirt back then, and like now I was like out here giving out some some swag and some merch and making sure everybody was having a cool time. So it's it's really interesting. Like you never know uh, if people are thinking it's like, oh, I'm never gonna get there. It's like you never know where you're gonna be in like seven, eight years. Like you gotta you gotta really just. don't know just pay attention just really kind of uh take take a chance on some things um so yeah if you're if, if anyone listening is worried about like not getting their break or not having any success like well just you know just be cool talk to people be good at what you do like uh really just just try and make that make that shit happen
0: yeah definitely i think it's always a good thing, because in this industry, I think we all start as fans. We all start as people wanting to work on these projects. Um, I mean, it's the reason you go to school. It's the reason you draw every day, because, you know, one day, you know, one day I'll get to design this person, one day I'll get to, you know, my drawings will be on the, the you know, the, the, the walls, the, the gearbox, and all this kind of stuff, and then it happens. <laughs> and then the, the only thing you want to do after it happens is then inspire other people to do the same. So, um, yeah, especially I think I was talking to Raph about that at Lightbox, saying that it was really good same about you know the job is when you take the elevator up is to send it back down for other people so yeah i think it's very common as as artists you get to a point in your career you're like right who can i now you know educate or inform or inspire how do i do that and then obviously it's great now with stuff like gumroad and and these online schools you can partner with them you can make tutorials Mm -hmm. and and get them rapidly distributed um towards people so you were saying that that might be a a plan for you in the future you're thinking about maybe um starting to teach or starting to do some tutorials or 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 some design stuff
1: i mean yeah it's like i think i'm at the point where i could definitely uh put some put put some things out I, i would like to really put some time forward and figure out something that I could do that's different from all of these other, I mean, like, I don't want to just say, like, here's how I make characters. Cause I don't really think the way that I make characters is anything special. Um, right. I'd like to kind of dig in and really get into more like, technical process on like, if, if I, like, I, I don't know, like, it's like, Oh, if I want to do like mechanical design classes or something that isn't like so widely uh, pushed. I know there's a lot of like, even like, like with art stations, new, um, Uh, Learning, uh,
0: kind of. Yeah, like the the subscription thing they've got one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, There's there's so much more opportunity now with that. Like, go like props to them. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's like I I definitely want to kind of just try and do something different. I feel like that's kind of more my speed anyway. Is I don't really want to do what's popular. Right. Kind of find that's just a weird like perpendicular avenue. It's like all right, well, what about this thing over here that nobody's like looking at? So I feel like there's a lot. lost in the uh, the popular scope uh, there's so many cool things in the art space there's a lot of cool indie games that get overlooked um, yeah so uh,
0: i think yeah i think it's definitely a thing that will make you stand out more if you take the time to um really put your stamp on um the tutorial stuff because um there's almost a failure in that where you know if people try to almost copy what other people have already done then you know you're then fighting against those people as direct competition and then you know i suppose it would be like something maybe trying to do just a basic character anatomy class you know but there's already glauco stuff out there and rafs plus others you know like is that yeah is that going to be any better than their stuff i mean i'm not saying like obviously raf and glauco are like the best in the world i mean they probably are but like at at the time like you know going up against those guys if you aren't on their level or above then yeah it's almost like it's hard to fight that but then if you're doing something with a totally unique spin Um, maybe even just like something like how you really use your colors or how Mm -hmm. you really find that stylized edge. Um, That could be stuff that is, um, especially I think when it comes to stylized stuff, because I've not seen a ton of stylized art, especially like, you know, people who maybe hand paint textures or have that real stylized edge. Like that's very, um, very rare now. I think, I mean, i was speaking to some of the guys on the Warcraft team when I was there at Blizzard, Mm -hmm. they were saying it's, it's almost impossible now to find people who, um have the base level 3d stuff but can also hand paint hand render textures for stylized games because it just isn't taught anymore to paint to that extent because a lot of people in 3d will now use pre-made textures and substance or mari um and not really take the time to you know bring things into photoshop and hand render stuff so when they find stuff yeah Uh,
1: yeah i was gonna gonna say yeah it's kind of insane how that's already becoming almost a lost art uh yeah i I think 20 years ago when you had like that was all you had was just your diffuse Um, Yes, uh, textures and all of these games were so heavily hand painted. Even if they were realistic looking, like all of that was done, uh, just very by hand. Yeah, just so um, yeah. I've I've heard that from multiple studios I know. uh, We talked about uh, uh, Grace Liu who uh, works down at Airship. They Mm -hmm. uh, uh, battle battle chasers, uh, which is a phenomenal game, phenomenal studio.
0: Of course, Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's like so special that they can still make. Uh, these kick-ass games yeah look so impressive and like yeah like i can imagine how hard it is uh with, yeah. with the of like uh photogrammetry and just mm-hmm. all these new processes and texture uh creation like it's it's kind of wild just seeing like where everything's going and you'd think that yeah. you would kind of expect like outwardly in like a like kind of just this big wedge where like it's like oh no like everything is kind of um branching out more but yeah it's 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 Unfortunate that more people aren't taking an interest and they kind of just want to do those hyper real things. Like, there's so much more than just mimicking uh, reality. Like, yeah. At at least, like, sure, sure, it's very cool, but I think if you can kind of uh, contort that and go have a little bit more of an impressionistic side to things, that's that's really what's going to last.
0: Yeah. I think it's like stuff like your stuff is is, uh, stuff like your stuff. Your kind of work is, is very unique in its sense where. I think because Borderlands almost tears on that edge between realism and stylized, like it mm-hmm. it almost marries both worlds into one thing. Um, because then, even like looking at your stuff now, it, it actually reminds me of uh, Stephen Oakley's work, if you know Stephen at all. But yeah, uh, yeah. he
1: was actually uh, uh, he was actually a big uh, inspiration on some of these. I don't want to say that I kind of like took his style, but uh, definitely yeah. looking at his work definitely helped me uh, understand. Uh, some of the more i guess gritty like creature forms i was trying to get out of some of these things yeah. and so yeah like, i think i had some drawings that really relied heavily on stuff that he kind of perfected
0: yeah uh, and that's not a bad thing i think it's it's very common i mean it's how we all get better right we all i say we all steal from each other but we, we all take <laughs> inspiration from other people that we work with and other things that we see in the world like you know a lot of it is sure playing video games as watching movies as you know experiencing the real world but sometimes it is also, looking at other artists' work and how they interpret the world, mm-hmm. and thinking, I actually love their vision. I love how they see the world. You know, I want my stuff to, you know, reflect that as well and, and be part of that same conversation. So, you know, I think when people, um, um, there's a difference between copying somebody and taking inspiration right so if you were saying a lot of your design theory or a lot of your design choices were taken from stuff that steven had designed then that is definitely a compliment um you know as long as you're not ripping directly off his designs (laughs) of course then that's fine but yeah definitely if you're just taking inspiration from his stuff then it is a very big compliment because um I know if I was making something, you know, and people were saying, "Oh, you know, you really inspire me." Like it's, it's like when I met people at Lightbox, funny enough, who, when I was talking in my Scottish accent, they were like, um, "Like, oh, I recognise your accent," and I was saying, "Oh, you know, I do a podcast called Digital Artcast," and they're like, "Oh yeah, I listen," but it was crazy, right? It, like even coming from the flight from Chicago to LAX, I was ordering a drink, and one of the guys sitting next to me was like, "Oh, you're Gordon, right?" I was like, "What the fuck?" But yeah. he was like, "Yeah, I listen, I, I listen to your podcast." I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I was nearly in tears, but like. Yeah, when you meet people like that, that that I've got your work in, you know, at Lightbox we were sitting all weekend, just people calling to Raph and saying, oh, you're such a huge inspiration, I love your work Mm -hmm. Um, I follow you on Instagram I love all your your 3D prints and his Yoshimitsu thing was selling out Um, Yeah, it was just like, it was crazy to see him because I think for him that is the time he gets to come out of his shell after production and meet The fans meet people who like his work, um, and then because then he has to go back into another production shell for years, but um, but yeah, it's good to just come out and and you know get some air and, and hear what people thought about um the game that you worked so hard on because you pour so much of yourself into production, it's good to know people are feeding back like, no, I really enjoyed it, I really, you know, it has really inspired me, and then hopefully, you know you never think about this stuff but you know think 20 years from now when people were like oh yeah like i really got any drawn because uh, i remember Borderlands three coming out and max davenport sketches really inspired <laughs> me like how crazy would that be you know i mean like you would be losing your mind you'd be like oh really wow that's cool um so yeah, yeah. do you think about do you think about that stuff down the line about how you inspire other people or whenever, like,
1: whenever if, if i'm head down like working on stuff i mean like i don't think anyone who's like flow state designing anything is thinking like oh i can't wait for my legacy to to really burn (laughs) forward no no no. it's such a bizarre like we all came from i I feel like anyone who's interested in this is like at heart like such a proto nerd like it's like it's like oh i grew up playing trading card games and like like staying up and trying to get the street lamp on my freaking game boy so i could play like link's awakening yeah uh, yeah, just like all, all these all these like little things no i mean I, I think it's cool if people definitely uh, plan. It's like, oh, I can't wait till I'm like famous one day. But uh, yeah. to to have like such a like, I guess love-driven mm-hmm. art form uh, as as video games, like it's such a it's such a bizarre profession. Like thinking that there are artists that are like rock stars, to me yeah. is like total antithesis to kind of like what uh we should be aspiring to as artists like it shouldn't be i mean like in such a kind of uh like social media dominated space where you have uh like all of this um popular avenue you have tumblr and you have all of these uh online art sources and even like now like conventions like you're saying like you went to lightbox and you went to i know i know like playgrounds is happening right now over in berlin yeah um And you just have this, I mean, because it is a huge industry now and people are, people are interested. People are curious or concerned with like how people are doing things. There's a lot of money in it. Um, so it's just, it, it's not, not, it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's like you, you sometimes can see people get too wrapped up in that social element where it's like they will, I mean, and, and maybe that's just, uh, something that's inherent in fame itself or people kind of get wrapped up into it and they start losing focus on something that's kind of core or uh not to be like purist about it but like i I don't know of course uh
0: i think it's trying to take the ego out of your work (laughs) right
1: right and and, well even even just no matter how successful a product gets like understand like why you got into it in the first place like don't don't at that point uh do it for the clicks like do yeah. you love making it like um yeah Because yeah i mean like when i was you know when i was 10 designing <laughs> little shitty original characters it wasn't just like oh i can't wait for people to see these it was like no these are for me <laughs> only like i'm gonna keep these and then like hopefully no one will ever know what i do like
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no i think it, there's definitely a, i think two two frames in mind where people can you know want both i mean i think my earliest introduction to that kind of stuff was listening to jim lee um mm-hmm. of dc comics like when he talked about you know those moments where he gets to sit at comic con and draw um those headshots for people yeah. he was like that was one of the things i dreamed about when i was younger was you know people coming up and being like totally in, in awe of my art and be like you know i want a sketch from you because um i think there is there's part of us you know part of all of us that kind of want something similar not to say that you're you know, you're a diva about it, or you have an ego, oh, no, but no. almost we definitely yeah.
1: validation in that sense. Like, I, 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 won't say that every time that, like, I recently had some shit share on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, they got eight thousand retweets," and I was like, "Fuck yeah, yeah. that's all <laughs> uh, no but uh yeah. yeah i can totally i can totally get that like but yeah do, doing it like if, if you get too caught up into that i think you can be a little toxic um of course but no yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to, yeah kind of
0: yeah i think it's, it's having the balance it. right it's it, it's acknowledging the fuck yeah but also then going back to your desk and doing work right it's it's not getting to the point where you're like oh i don't need to draw anymore or i don't need to try at my work anymore or you know i mean that kind of stuff i mean obviously i don't think anybody would ever do that but you know that's obviously what you're talking about is taking that ego and then exploding that into something that can be toxic
1: it's interesting yeah i mean like talking about like uh in in, we were talking about influences before um and Mm -hmm. seeing like how artists will influence each other in like a specific space uh but also realizing like i feel like a lot of new artists look too much uh at at popular media and don't focus enough on kind of source material they don't go out it's like yeah just go go sketch like go do plain air like like learn watercolor, yeah. go like, like get out take a hike like go like i don't know study flowering <laughs> study like
0: yeah draw study. more from life than like st- like something who wants to get into character design will sit and maybe copy your flat designs but then at the same time You've went and studied mechanical parts and real life people to come at that design. Like you didn't just draw mech straight away. Like there's almost there's always that foundation that people. I mean, I hear it very common in people, especially when it comes to drawing. Mm-hmm. Is that I mean in three D as well. People will neglect a lot of foundational skills because they want to draw the cool robot with a million guns, right? But then you've got to draw circles and spheres and perspective and shading and color and light and composition. That all needs to come, be- you know, before that stuff really. Flourishes and and because when you draw that stuff, the cool mix with the the million arms and cannons. <laughs> if your perspective is off, if your foundations is off, if you can't actually draw a sphere, then yeah, that stuff sticks out like a sore thumb, right?
1: I mean, I think it's it has to be in conjunction. Like you still need to practice those design traps. Like you need like yeah, obviously like learn learn your basics, learn your foundations, but also like it it's not a bad thing to fail early uh, on, yeah. on a lot of those things. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you it's like you can't draw anything cool until you master had it perfectly yeah. shaped like that's bullshit like i would i would have yeah. thrown a i, I, yeah, I would have thrown a fit and i was like no nope, screw you i'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it like, just like have fun yeah. like a lot of my early robot designs were complete shit so it's like yeah like having yeah. Like, a decade or 15 years of like failing at uh learning how to draw like leg sprockets or <laughs> like anyway, of it's like, like, yeah. that's just part of it like you just need to be able to learn how to not do something first
0: Yeah, Um, I think it's more people who would take those drawings that are lacking foundations and then present them as like, can this get me a job? And then people will obviously look at that and be like, well this is lacking, you know the foundational stuff that, you know, it looks kind of looks cool and whatever, but then if you're an art director sitting looking at that stuff, or if you were reviewing a portfolio and, you know, like the perspective as well for the anatomy was really not great, you'd be like, well, yeah, your designs are cool, but, like, your foundation stuff is still underneath that and that's what's letting it down mostly. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's why it's important to build those foundations early because once you get that kind of stuff out of the way, um, and it does kind of almost get out of the way at one point, once you've drawn a person enough times, like, anatomy never really changes. So once you have that under your belt, then, then sure, you can go wild, right? You can draw whatever you want, so...
1: No, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, for yeah, definitely get your 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 basics down, but never stop trying to try new things. Uh, yeah, of make, course. New artists, be okay with failure. It's gonna happen every day. <laughs> I, I usually the first hour I'm working on stuff is usually things that I need to kind of get out or filter or just like not use. Um, yeah, part of part of this industry is throwing work away. Um, yeah, just because we are imperfect and uh our creative process like a lot of the things it's like "Well, oh, that was complete crap like i need to just like not present this um so why we yeah. do it's why we do iterations Is why we do thumbnails Is why we do yeah uh, tests
0: like, it's why you have sketchbooks on your desk you know because those right. are almost like a, a fail bible right they're just set up to fail so
1: no yeah it's it, it could be fun yeah just like setting up a setting up a talk on
0: uh just how to just we, fail, how, how in how
1: fail the way you fail yeah
0: it's like, yeah, you no, know, know. I mean, look, like, it's, it's interesting, though, because me and a friend had a talk about this, and it kind of I had an almost epiphany at one point where um, we were talking about failure and how, you know, his parents at the time had always treated something he'd done wrong with a lesson to learn and mm-hmm. how to move forward and how to better himself. But then most times when I failed when I was younger, I got yelled at and, you know, was told I was wrong for doing it or, you know, how can you not do it right the first time, all this kind of stuff. So... Mm-hmm. That's why I think I have such a struggle now as an artist coming into this world is because, you know, I almost have a mentality sometimes of like, why even start or why do this? Because, (laughs) you know, the the mentality is that I'm going to fail anyway, or or even when I fail, someone's going to shout at me, so I don't want to fail. So yeah, I think it's it 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 almost is dependent on how you see failure as a very young child or how it's treated when you're younger, because that will then inform how you treat it as an adult. And uh, for a lot of people, they can be lucky where. You know, failure was never something that really held them back. But for me, I think the way I was kinda handled when I was younger, it definitely left a sour taste in my brain and, <laughs> and made me think more of the negative than the positive of failure. So Definitely uh, yeah. But definitely Yeah, def- I think it's definitely like you said it's it's a bigger can of worms that you can get in, it in an hour podcast. But um <laughs> you're always welcome to come back on Max and, and talk about it. But um yeah, I think it's it's definitely something I think I'd love to try and get a few artists' perspective on because uh it seems to be a very big talking point at events um because yeah, I was just going to talk about literally how people I know, students especially, are very precious with their sketchbooks and um almost don't want to draw on them because they're afraid of making them look bad but then like when Feng was talking about that way back in the day Feng Zhu he was like you know sketchbooks should be a place where you fail and fail consistently um and then you do your good work on on photoshop but then people who can't even fill a sketchbook you know you're almost setting yourself up for failure at that point because you've not really had the the failure or the prep and the sketchbook before you come and then try to match it in photoshop so um so yeah like it's it's very common it's a very big topic just now in, in in art um yeah yeah there's there's a lot you could you could expand on but um it's it's uh it would take way too long <laughs> we need we we another whole hour if not more to try and talk about and unravel this kind of stuff um but of course max like it, all artists will have plans and things to do later today so um i'm gonna let him go and um and uh let go on with his day um but it was really awesome to talk to you max yeah, um thank you very much for coming on i'm very honored to speak to you and um yeah, I'll leave all Max's stuff down below. If you have got any questions or comments, just leave them in the in, in the, the comments, and um, and then yeah, we'll we'll get back to him at one point. Maybe get back on to speak about some other topics. But um, thanks again to Max. Thanks for you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcast services, the sorts of things. Um, and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks again, Max. You. Yeah.